You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. With me is Jaco Fantonda, Director of Advisor Services at 91, and we're going to talk about the Treasury's new two-pot plan. Jakob, the first thing I'd like to say is that I like the way that the Treasury is consistently, in my opinion, proactive when it comes to incentivizing savings in South Africa, which has had a terrible track record. Would you agree with me on that? Hi, Lindsay. Yes, I would. I think people forget that the changes that we see every year when the budget speech happens and regulations subsequent to that come out, that we've been consistently making headway on a journey to improving the quality and the structure of the South African retirement fund system and the integrity of the system, kind of in slow steps, making sure that we help people retire with more money uh, and not waste their money early on in their careers. Can you give us a broad synopsis of the draft regulations? Because they are still draft regulations. Let's not forget that. The draft regulations and implications. Start with the regulations, if you would, Yaku. So the focusing specifically on the retirement fund reform piece, the, the key uh, draft regulations that came out were the ones to enact the, what they call the two-pot system. And uh, the two-pot system is not new. We've discussed this before. We've had consultation papers from Treasury earlier in the year and last year dealing with how to um, set up the two-pot system. And so the regulations that came out now really kind of cemented in place a lot of things that we already knew. And the things we already knew that were cemented in place is that your old pension assets will be preserved. You won't lose any rights to your current pension fund assets that exist today. Uh, and that your new pension fund contributions from some implementation date, which we think is probably going to be 2024, that those new contributions will be split one third into what they call an access pot and two thirds into what they call a retirement pot. The retirement pot you will never be able to access in your life until you retire, like an RA today, and your access pot you'll be able to access according to certain rules um, anytime before retirement. So those uh, those components have been confirmed. And then a couple of new items or items that were historically undecided or under discussion, some of those items have now been firmed up in the regulation. And and some of those I can list for you quickly because they're quite important. Yes, please. It's quite clear that you can now only do one withdrawal per annum from your access pot. That's clearly to curb abuse. There's a minimum limit now of the withdrawal of 2,000 rand. So to make sure that people don't use the account like a check account and do small withdrawals regularly. There's, however, no limit on how much money you can draw from your access pot. So you can take the whole pot if you wanted to. So that was a piece that was unclear at the start, whether there would be some requirement for you to prove that you are financially destitute or that you've lost your job or anything like that. Nothing of that sort. Before you you go on, Yaku, so you can make multiple withdrawals, in other words. uh, Yes, but no more than once per annum. So you can make a withdrawal every year and whatever is in your access pot, you will be allowed to draw that in full uh, once a year. And then the last two components, and I think this is where it starts to really become more interesting for financial advisors, is that the proposed tax dispensation, so the tax that you'll pay on these withdrawals, had now been clarified. And financial advisors would know that historically, when you withdraw from a retirement fund, when you leave employment or you get retrenched, that there would be withdrawals or retirement tax tables that would apply that were generally slightly more generous than income tax tables. 
Treasury has now confirmed that for the new access pot withdrawals in future, once the system goes live, what will apply will be your income tax in the year in which you do the withdrawal. So the money that you withdraw from your access pot will be added to your taxable income and will be taxed at income tax rates. And that obviously has quite a significant implication as to the amount of tax. And now all of a sudden, obviously, uh, it makes a big difference between the amount of tax that someone who is a low income earner will pay vis-a-vis the tax that someone who's a higher income earner will pay. So there is quite a number of really interesting financial planning challenges that that are now raising their heads. Yeah, goodness me, financial advisors must be either looking forward to or uh, scratching their heads uh, with this new regulatory uh, framework that has been put forward and will probably be put into law in the future. Is it generally tax friendly, what you've just described? Financial planners, and and we're all still wading through the proposals, and in many cases, it's not entirely clear, but there are a couple of statements I think we can broadly make at this stage. I think the new proposal for withdrawals, if you compare it with the dispensation today, it is generally quite a lot more tax negative for high-income earners. So high-income earners can expect to pay anywhere between 50% and potentially double the amount of tax that they would have paid on the old withdrawal tables um, compared to what they're going to be paying now. So it's quite clear that the Treasury believes that the excess benefit is not that important for high income earners. Uh, and because of the um, steepness of the income tax bracket, if you're making especially high withdrawals, you're going to be paying quite a lot of tax on these withdrawals. Middle income earners It's less penal, depends on the withdrawal size, but they will also pay slightly more tax than they have paid on the current system. And then for low income earners, people in the 100,000 or or low below income tax brackets, uh, they will pay slightly less tax unless they withdraw um, quite large amounts. And the uh, further financial planning implications that I think a number of advisors will have to start considering uh, what they do is, for example, on on divorce cases, um, the, the, the various pots all have to be split up according uh, to the divorce order as, as it happens today. But if the uh, spouse who receives the benefit decides to cash those benefits in, the different pots will be taxed at the different tax tables that are applicable to that pot. So that's also a, an interesting complication that will require some preparation. And then the other interesting example is when people immigrate. We know that Treasury had recently changed the rules around um, financial immigration and access to retirement funds. And the rule at the moment is that you need three years of non-tax residency uh, from a South African SARS perspective to get access to your retirement funds and cash it in and take it to wherever you've emigrated to. Uh, And what will now happen is on that immigration, the different pots will also be taxed at the different rates. So it looks like there's a clear incentive here for someone to transfer their access pot to their retirement pot before they execute the immigration, because it's likely that the, that the withdrawals tax that will apply on the retirement pot will be less than the income tax that would apply on the access pot. So all sorts of little intricacies and nuances that crop in from a tax planning perspective, So, which I think financial advisors are going to have to get their heads around once the regulations are finally enacted. Well, as your Director of Advisor Services, I'm sure you'll be talking to an awful lot of uh, people who will be asking an awful lot of questions. And when you bring in that immigration 
aspect that gives an international aspect to this particular podcast. And we are coming in line with international norms, aren't we? Because we've been behind the curve, as they say. Yes, I think the, I mean, the regulations in South Africa have been benchmarked against international best practice. And, and so the journey that we've been on for the last decade had consistently been focused on closing the gap and implementing international best practice. And I think the one key area that, that we've been behind in South Africa has been in this compulsory preservation space. We, we've historically allowed people too easy access to their retirement assets, and uh, the two-part system is quite an elegant solution to uh, close the loop, but without completely stopping people from accessing their uh, retirement assets if they have uh, financial difficulty. What does this mean for the financial services industry? I mean, people will see this new framework, which you know is only draft at the moment, but will be implemented probably next year. New products are going to obviously come to the fore. People will be inventing new things. And is that something that is inevitable? And is it going to completely change the existing products that we have? In other words, the innovation of the new products will usurp what we've got at the moment. So I think the product innovation space really talks to what Treasury had not limited as part of the regulations. So they've obviously put in place a number of rules around how they want the new two-pot system to work. But clearly where they've said nothing, uh, it implies by definition that uh, the industry is left to uh, make a number of decisions about the operational implication of this of these proposals themselves. And I'll give you two examples of where we believe there will be an interesting amount of, of innovation. The first one is in how you administer the investments in the pots. And there's no restriction that requires, if I've got an access pot, a vested pot, and a retirement pot, there's no regulation that, that says that those pots have to be invested in the same way. So it's entirely possible that some funds will allow you to pick different investment options in different pots. That's appropriate for the type of pot that it is. Um, and it's entirely possible that some funds with maybe members with smaller benefits will not offer that, but actually offer just one investment amount. All the investments have to be invested the same way, and they'll do the complicated pot calculations behind the scenes. So what flexibility you'll be allowed from an investment perspective, I think, is, is an interesting one. That's not restricted. The other one, which doesn't appear to be restricted, and I say doesn't appear because we are in draft regulation and it doesn't appear to be in there, but might still come in the final regulations, is that there's no requirement for Reg 28 which, to apply to every pot individually. So the way we read the regulations at the moment, it's entirely feasible that you can have your access pot invested in more fixed income investments, because the idea is that it should be available more frequently for uh, situations of financial need, and that your retirement pot that's locked away for retirement could have a lot more equity assets, as long as your overall pot is within the Regulation 28 limit. So I think there'll be some interesting investment design uh, that will flow from this flexibility which Treasury appears to allow. Yaku, do you and your team at 91 think this is net positive for the savings industry, for the pension industry? We definitely do. I think it brings us closer to the international benchmarks, as we've said before. Um, it closes some of the key gaps whilst allowing people some access to their retirement assets in times of need. It finally eliminates the product differences that have existed for so many years in South Africa between provident funds, pension funds, and retirement annuities. So from the implementation of this going forward, 
Well, those three types of retirement options will essentially now offer the same benefits to members. There's not going to be any product differences that's uh, that's caused by by regulation. So that's obviously a very, very good thing. It simplifies matters for retirement fund members. And then lastly, the small, the cumulative effect of having these small pots of two-thirds of people's retirement assets now being preserved as opposed to being cashed in when they leave employment or they get retrenched, the, the cumulative compound effect of that over time will be massive. It's difficult to do the projections because we're not sure what the people's withdrawal rates and so on are going to be. But everybody's estimates are that where the industry, the retirement fund industry in South Africa had been a flat to net shrinking industry, if you look at the assets in the last decade, that it could see us returning the saving stocks to a strong growth trajectory. And that can only be good for the industry and, and it can only be good for retirement fund members because it means they will have more money to retire on. Yako, thanks so much for your time. It was a really great analysis on a very complicated subject. Yako Fantonda is Director of Advisor Services at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.